Our scripture today comes from the book of Revelation. Now, Revelation is one of the more controversial books of our Bible. It's, it's one that brings some, you know, some difficulty in interpretation and, and wondering what it means. And, and, and what I don't want you to do right now is get caught up in some of those details. Um, but, but instead, listen to the imagery and listen to what it suggests for us. We're going to read uh, chapter 7 verses 9 to 12, and just, just hear what's going on in this part of the book of Revelation. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That scripture it just evokes some, some vision for us, some, some idea for us, some, some, uh, some imagery that, look here, I, I know this. Um, I know that, that the spiritual world is not the same as the physical world. What God does is gives us visual images because we're limited on, on, on width and height and depth and time. We're limited on what we can know and understand. So God gives us a physical image of this spiritual happening. I'm sure it'll be much different when we get there. At, at least much more because we're so limited on what we can understand. But what we can glean from this is, is the recognition that there was a lot of people there. Too many to count. Too many to count. So many there. And there's some argument in, in the interpretation of this about when this happened and, and what exactly uh, happened in this moment. Um, uh, one suggestion, and, and I'm kind of going with this, is that this is the time, you know, Paul in the book of Philippians said that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That this is the time when every knee bows, every tongue confess. This is the time where everybody comes before Jesus, the throne of God. Not, not just, not just uh, the people who have professed Christ in their, in their life today, but, but everyone before they're divided. And there's a multitude, too many to count. If, it's, if this is the time when everybody's coming before God, if this is the time when, when all people who have ever lived, and, and, and I, I looked it up, Google says 117 billion of us have ever lived. And who knows how many it'll be when, when this event takes place, how many have ever lived and died in, in, in the world. Who knows what that number will be? Too many to count. Such a large number of people all bowing down to say, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether they said it in this life or not, we know that every knee shall bow. And by the way, preachers really like that because ushers, they tend to count noses. Preachers, knees, two of them. I love it. Double your number. Every knee will bow. 
and tongue confess. You know, if you look at the, at the passage that was right before that, um, it, it's not that, that nobody can be counted. Because there in that passage it says, Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Don't get into the details of what this tribes of Israel thing means, but it says that they sealed 12,000 from Judah and 12,000 from Reuben and 12,000 from Gad and 12,000 from Asher, all the 12 tribes, 12 times 12,000, 144,000. Don't worry about the details of what that means right now, but just recognize it's not that nobody could count. But for one who gets to heaven, John, the writer of the Revelation, when he gets to heaven and he sees, it's too many for him to count. Too many to count. 117 billion might be too many to count. Except for one. I don't mean one within that group, but except for the one who can count and has counted. The one who counts all of our numbers. God, who, who could look across that expanse of the 117 billion and recognize each one, knows each one by name, has the hairs on our head counted, knows each one, knows your story, knows what's happened in your life, knows what has gone on. God, God can count. God knows your story. You matter to God, as does your story. You know, some, some recent theology um, that has been written uh, is, is problematic. You see, we tend to, like I said, we tend to take our, our current understanding. So we understand height and width and depth, and, and, and we try to put a physical understanding to that spiritual world, and, and that, that, that works just to a point. But some recent theology also has its limit, and, and, and it suggests that all of those stories, you know, the story of our life, what we've gone through, everything that's happened, that story is just kind of uploaded to God, you know, just like this giant database in the cloud, right? And that, that you exist in the cloud of God's memory, um, and, and, that's, and that's what it is. And, and that's problematic, I think, because, um, because it, it, it forgets the reality that God has been in your story that God's been present in it. That it's not just your story, but God's intervention within. That God's always been there. God's always known where you've been and what you've done. God always knows, already knows everything that you've said and everything you failed to say and every action you took and every time you failed to act. God knows that. And God's been active in it, present in it. Those stories dwell in the heart of God, not the brain, because God's been a part of your life. You know, when I do weddings, um, there, there comes a time when I call people into a moment of silent prayer. And, and what I say as a preface to that is I, I say, you know, in, in five years, they'll forget my name, the couple. <laughs> in 15 years, they'll forget who came for the wedding and, and who only came for the reception. But in 50 years, what will live on are the prayers that you offer because they dwell in the heart of God. God knows the story, hears the story, but participates in it as well. It's not just a, a digital download of, uh, or upload or dump of everything that we've gone through. God has been present in your tears 
and in your celebrations and in every moment in between. Now, when you think of the 117 billion or more, and you recognize that there comes a time, because we read it in the, in the book of uh, Matthew, the 25th chapter, that God separates the sheep from the goats. There comes a time where that 117 billion are separated out. And for those who, who enter into the throne room of God as, as those who are faithful, I, I heard a preacher recently say, never say that you're there in the first person, the reason you're there. For instance, when, when, when St. Peter meets you at the pearly gates, however that works, and says, what are you doing here? It's not, I have done this, I have done that. You must answer that question in the third person because he invited me. Because of Christ's life, an invitation to a new life for me. Because of Christ's death, an invitation to die with Christ in my baptism. And because of Christ's resurrection, an invitation to live eternally with God. He did that. He offered the invitation. Not I. All I've done is said, thank you, yes, I'll be there. Accepted the invitation. But that invitation is in the third person. The third person is Christ. He did this for us. And there's the suggestion, not the suggestion, there is clear in the Bible that there will come a time in that, in that reality that the 117 billion who have already chosen sides will be separated out. Greg, uh, Pastor Greg writes a devotion that's uh, it's inserted in your bulletin every Sunday. It's also available online. Just go to uh, um, uh, livingwordumc.org and somewhere in there are your at-home resources. So find the at-home resources and you'll find the devotion. And, and Greg does a wonderful job with this. If you haven't taken the time to read it, I, I really suggest you do. Um, it's so good that I'm going to quote a couple of things that he said during this message. One of the things that Greg said in, in the devotion this week, the clear trajectory of the biblical narrative is the movement from where one man, Abraham, trusted God in faith to a world, a movement from Abraham, to a world where people who share in Abraham's kind of faith become too many to count. Along the way in this narrative, the people of God will learn more about exactly how God will bring this plan to completion. That the numbers of those who live for God's plan, who live in reception of the invitation, will be too many to count, at least in our human understanding. And so they will be too many to count when they are separated out. But because God knows the stories, God knows who's in and who's opted out. Not that we have, not, not that any, uh, anybody who, who, who um, decides not to profess Christ is cast out, but has opted out our decision to make because the invitation is there for all of us. Well, then what? Then what? In, in the book of Revelation, at the end, it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. 
That there'll come a time that, that, that we will dwell on a new earth with new bodies, thank God. A new earth with new bodies. It'll be the same body because you'll be recognizable, I think. But it'll be different because it'll be perfected. Won't that be great? <laughs> you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day that said, you know, I'm going to be cremated. What about that? And I, I, I honestly, true, true story. I, I said, you know, the God who created the universe out of nothing can reassemble your ashes. Don't worry about that. There's going to be this new heaven and this new earth, and all of us will live in the presence of God forevermore. For all those who have accepted that invitation. And there are those that don't. Those who, who have opted for an eternal separation from God. And because we're limited on space and time, we can't know exactly what that will look like because it's a spiritual existence. We can't know exactly. We're given hints in the scripture. But I do know this. God is love. God is light. God is shalom. I love that Hebrew word that we don't have a good word to translate it into. We often use the word peace, but, but that doesn't do enough. It, it is a sense of tranquility and peace and completeness. That it is well with my soul when I have that sort of shalom. For all those parts of us that feel anxious because we're not quite sure if we've done enough, been enough, had enough, whether we've done exactly what we were supposed to do, shalom speaks into our life. And if that's what defines God, then what's, what will define the eternal existence absent from God? Absent from love and light and shalom. And I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Or would I? I mean, come on, let's face it. Which one of us is perfect in our love for our neighbor? Which one of us is, is perfect in the way that, that we reach out in loving care to people who aren't like us, who disagree with us, who voted the wrong way or, or live on another part of the world where we don't agree with how they live their lives? That's why we, why we talk often about Christian perfection because Christian perfection is not becoming perfect people, but Christian perfection is perfectly loving God and perfectly loving others, and that's what God is drawing us into. But instead of wishing it on our perfect, uh, our worst enemy, what if we invited our worst enemy? What if we offered the invitation on their behalf, on behalf of Christ? In, in Greg's devotion, he says this about about the challenge behind that. Whenever the promises of God seem to be blossoming, blossoming into fruition. Forces opposing the fulfillment of God's promises rise up to try to suppress them. <laughs> ask, the, ask the martyrs about that. We should not be surprised 
than when our efforts to bring God's blessing to more and more people are often met with resistance and even pushback. Pushback. Because no, deed, no good deed goes unpunished. Pushback that, that whenever we decide that it is time to share our faith story with others, we run the risk of martyrdom, probably not in our society getting killed for it, but more likely in our society, the death of a friendship, the death of a close family relationship. Because there are those who will oppose. But why would that stop us from sharing that invitation that we have heard and responded to? You know, this, this past week, I, I always reflect on my week and think, oh, how would this fit into the sermon? In part because I want to practice what I preach, <laughs> but also in part because, um, you know, my story is like yours. I have, I have life experiences throughout the week that if I reflect back on, I begin to see God at work. This past week, I was at our Board of Ordained Ministry, three days now, Board of Ordained Ministry is a group of about 40 of us who decide each year who is going to be ordained as United Methodist, as pastors in the United Methodist system. And I have this just wonderful love-hate relationship with that board because I disagree with some people on the board, maybe more than half. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to share my voice, and it doesn't always go well. And so Pastor Greg would tell you, I came back on, on Thursday after three days of, of difficult meetings. And, and uh, I came back and, and I was so mad I could spit. I mean, it, was, uh, it just wasn't pleasant for me. I, don't, I, I keep serving on it because I, like, I, I, I feel like somebody's got to be the voice that I try to raise up. And, um, and oh gosh, it was terrible three days. And that night... I had an invitation to go to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Banquet, FCA. I, I, know, what, I know what John Wesley was feeling when, when he talks about uh, his experience uh, um, of, of going to, a, he, he went to a, a, a worship meeting reluctantly. <laughs> I went reluctantly. I'd had about enough of church stuff. I went reluctantly. And my heart was refreshed. I mean, it, it, it's wonderful to, to hear from adults who, who love Jesus. And, and, and we got to hear that. We, we got to hear from sports stars um, that, on, uh, that night, on Thursday night, uh, Scott Spezio. Now, if you're a longtime Cardinal fan, you know the name um, because uh, Spezio was on the Cardinals years ago in the early 2000s. Um, uh, he was the one with the red uh, patch right there. Red, not, not a, I don't even know what you call that. Anyway, um, uh, he was the one that wore that. And, uh, um, you know, Spezio is one of these guys who came to faith as, as a part of a, a group on a team when he played for another team. And then he left the faith as he allowed cocaine and other things to enter into his life. He lost his wife from, from that. And, and he went through a rough time, but then he was loved back into the faith. And so he had a great story to tell. And the other one, the other speaker uh, um, Thursday night was uh, Benji Molina. Now, if you don't know Benji, Benji is the brother of Yachty, 
Uh, and, you know, we all know Yachty or Molina, but, but Benji, Benji, well, he played for the Cardinals, but he also, uh, he also has a gold glove and a World Series ring. He's a legit player. He'll tell you he's faster than his brother Yachty. There's some argument about that, uh, but he said so last night or Thursday night. Um, uh, but Benji, Benji was a guy who was in faith throughout his life. Now he's the uh, Spanish broadcaster on the uh, Cardinals radio. Um, uh, he and, uh, and one other are the Spanish broadcasters. But, but they shared their faith, and that was wonderful. It was great to hear. But there were also students there. At, at, I was invited to be at a table and, and then invited to invite uh, a, a students. And I invited uh, Jessica, is a, f- a friend of the family, who uh, is um, at Maryville University. And, and at Maryville, she is the huddle leader for her FCA group. Huddle leader just means that she's in charge of the small group. That small group's around 30. Um, but she's the huddle leader, and her friend Riley came with her. And, and uh, so it was great to have them at their ta- the table just knowing that they are young people of faith. But then a young man comes to your table, a young man or woman. It's, it's uh, um, somebody from, from the community who's, who's in an FCA chapter, in this case in high school. And he's going to share with us about his faith, about his experience with FCA. He has that opportunity. And, and yes, maybe, maybe um, he's sharing with a receptive audience. But isn't that great practice for a time when we might be sharing with people that are less receptive? And it was great to hear this young man that was at our table happens to attend at Eureka High School. So he lives not too far from here. And I I think that gives them great confidence to share their faith. And, And it just restored mine to hear people's stories. To hear how they share and how it, the story of Christ has been shared with them. In that book of Revelation, that multitude in heaven is far too many for anyone to count. However, they are specifically there at the invitation of God. I once heard a phrase that, it, that goes like this. Every, every number has a name. And every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And sharing faith today isn't about going up to perfect strangers and telling them our story, though maybe that'll happen someday, but, but really today it's about hearing the stories of others and assuring them that that story matters to you and to God. And, and, and then in that time, becoming acquaintances and, and maybe even friends. But that doesn't matter. You could still remain worst enemies, at least on topics of interest to you. But don't they still deserve that invitation? Haven't they still received it in the same way you have? And isn't it our job? to speak that into the lives of others. The invitation is there for all of us, for you, for me, for all others. Of that 117 billion, no one is excluded from being invited into the grace of God. 
It's for the people whose stories are far different from our own. And for those whose story is very much the same. And if their story is the same, we can be sure that they won't attain the heavenly invitation on the strength or value of the details of the story. Because we can't get there on our own values and strength. Instead, they will attain it in the same way we have at the invitation of the one who knows our story so intimately and yet is willing to die to redeem that story for his eternal purposes. Who are you called to share your story with? Who are you called to offer the invitation to be the verbal offering on behalf of Christ? So that when we gather in that great multitude of heaven, we know that there really aren't too many to count because God has counted us all by name and by story. Amen and amen. As we continue in our worship, the ushers will come and and pass the offering basket, and it's your opportunity to, to... Offer your story up to God. You know, so many people in our offering, we give our offering online anymore, and not too many people are putting anything in the basket, though some do, and please feel free to do that. But, but more often, the basket just passes by. As it passes by, just, just use that as a moment to offer yourself up to God, to, to say, God, the, my offering is a simple thank you to your invitation. Our ushers will come now for the offering. the 
You know, as I expressed with our, uh, with our limited understanding of height and width and depth and time, that we can't fully grasp the spiritual understanding of what is yet to come. Our communion reminds, that, reminds us of that each and every week. What we say about communion is that it is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. An outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. That what is happening in the physical is representative of what is truthfully happening in the eternal and spiritual And so we remember on the night he was betrayed how Jesus took a loaf of bread and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you, the physical. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. And likewise, he took a cup and he poured it out. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, for everyone, for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever we eat the bread and drink from the cup, we remember a physical event that took place that has spiritual ramifications that are eternal. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on everyone gathered here. And upon this, the bread and the cup, make it become for us the body and blood of Christ, both the physical but the spiritual renewal of our lives. Redeem us, O Lord, through this meal. And use us to go out into a world in need. It's in Christ's name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. 
as those who are going to serve with me come to their place of service, let me offer this instruction and invitation. This isn't my table. This isn't living words table. This is the table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everyone is invited to Christ's table. At the direction of the ushers, you'll come by uh, the aisle, the center aisle, to the servers on either side. A piece of bread will be broken off and handed to you. You'll eat that bread and then step over to the other server who will have the small cups. You'll drink from one of those cups, and the trash receptacle is for those cups when you're done. And I am having a heck of a time getting these gloves open. <laughs> um, I apologize. This is an interesting day. Um, <laughs> After uh, you've communed, you can take time to kneel at one of our kneelers or stand and pray over here if you'd like, or you can return to your seat in a prayerful manner. If you require a gluten-free diet, Don is over here. He'll have the gluten-free wafers. Please feel free to just head over there to receive communion in that way. And um, if you would prefer, we do have the prepackaged communion cups that you all are welcome to, to commune with. Those are available at each one of the service stations. Just feel free to ask for it, and we'll provide it for you. Please come, for all is prepared. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. No. 
So God, we have experienced the physical that we know is spiritual. That you invite us to your table just as sure as you invite us into your heavenly realm. That through your son Jesus Christ who lived our life and died our death and was resurrected for our sake, the invitation comes to each one of us because you love each one of us. You know each one of the 117 billion by name by story because you've been a part of it our whole lives and so God as we have celebrated the body and blood of Christ and we've talked about the physical realm of that help us to enter into that spiritual understanding that we have an invitation for eternity and then redeem our lives and our story so that we can offer that invitation to others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you please stand for our closing hymn? Song.
Save us all, and all the people sitting. 